Welcome to Gumption, Grit, and Grace. My name is Brandon Dennison. I'm founder and CEO of Coalfield Development and also your podcast host. This month, we, we like to use our podcast every month, uh, at least for a few episodes, to highlight our, our personal development themes. And um, these, are, these are themes that crew members dive into each and every month. There are 12 personal themes and 12 professional themes. And so that means there's one of each uh, every month that we can go a little deeper on. And we always have a West Virginian from throughout history who truly embodies the theme and has lived out the theme. This month on the professional side, we have teamwork. And the West Virginian who embodies teamwork is Cam Henderson. So folks uh, who know the Marshall University Thundering Herd would know the name Cam Henderson very well. The basketball arena is named for Mr. Henderson, Cam Henderson Arena. He was actually both the basketball and the football coach in the 40s, and I think maybe a little bit as far back as the 30s. And so, you know, sports is all about teamwork, especially if you look at um, basketball and football, true team sports. So that's a little bit obvious. But um, if you go a little bit deeper into why we selected Cam Henderson for this, um, part of it was he was just a great coach for one thing. And he was an innovative coach. So he actually innovated in basketball, the zone defense and also the fast break on offense. And these were pretty revolutionary changes to the game that actually that really still live on today. A lot of folks don't realize that about Cam Henderson and partially because those innovations, you know, at the time, Marshall was just a a small public teacher's college that not many folks had had heard of. Uh, and yet amazing, uh, amazing innovation and amazing teamwork and amazing performance. Uh, in the 30s, the uh, Marshall basketball team coached by Cam Henderson actually won a national title. When I think about teamwork here at, at Coalfield Development, three things came to mind. So first of all, I think the best teams are the ones that uh, work with joy together and 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 truly have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there's hard work to be done, but when the work at hand just becomes a task or a chore, you're going to get burnout. You're going to lose focus. You're going to lose passion and you're not going to have the performance that you need. So I think the best days here at Coalfield for me are the days when myself, my teammates can really find the joy. Uh, and, and even on the hard days, there's joy to be had. So I think joy and and happiness are are not exactly the the same thing. You know, happiness sort of does depend on the environment and others around us and, and our mood and what's happening. Whereas joy can be a little bit quieter and a little bit less obvious. So even on a hard day where things didn't go how we wanted them to go, where the plan broke down, we can still do a task that just feels right uh, and, and have joy. We can still interact with a team member that we really care about and, and, and still have joy. And we can hold on to our values and know that we stayed true to those and that we're doing our very best to achieve our vision for a more resilient Appalachia. And that can come with joy. And certainly laughter always helps. So all the best teams I know um, uh, know how to laugh together. And uh, sometimes along with that, so some of the best teams I've been a part of, they laugh together, but sometimes there's conflict. And, and that's okay. And sometimes it's even good. Out of conflict, out of tension comes solutions. And the conflict can force us to look at things a little bit differently than maybe we would if we just spent time with people who agreed with us all the time. I think the best teams are willing to challenge one another 
if you just have a team where the boss says what to do and everybody goes along with that, it's really hard to have much innovation come out of that. I think it's really hard to have much joy come out of that. It becomes drudgery. And so I think the the best teams, they have fun together, yes, but they're also willing to challenge each other, maybe even have disagreements and, and not get their feelings or egos hurt by that, but rather come back to a place of knowing that we're all on the same team and we all share the same values and we're just trying to come up with the best ideas and the best strategies to achieve the vision, which brings me to trust. The very best teams that I've been a part of have trust. Of course, a lot goes in to, to trust. Thinking again of, of Cam Henderson, I'm thinking of a zone defense and a fast break on offense. Take any sport for a play to work. If the coach calls a play on offense or defense in a team sport, the only way that play really works is, is if each team member can trust that the other team members are where they're supposed to be on the court or where they're supposed to be on the field. If you can't trust that, and you're sort of always checking over your shoulder one way or the other, it slows down. The, the gears get jammed up. And so really smooth, functioning, uh, efficient teams, the, the ball moves quick, and, and, and the ball can move quick because you can make a pass almost without even looking because you trust that your team member is where they said they would be. So I think trust really comes out of this simple idea of we all do what we said we would do. We keep our commitments, uh, we show up on time, we do our tasks, and we can be counted on. And out of that comes trust. And also that we're honest with one another, even if it is a little bit hard to do it, even if it means disagreeing or slowing things down a little bit. If we're honest with each other and we work through those challenges, I think the trust only deepens and the joy of the work only grows greater and greater. And trust for a team connects nicely to our next theme, which is integrity. So this is our personal theme for the month. I like this one because I think all of us, of course, if someone says, are you honest? Do you have integrity? We're going to answer yes. (laughs) Uh, And most of us, I think fundamentally and basically are honest and have integrity. But if, if we really peel back some of the layers and, and, and evaluate ourselves, honestly, are we always a hundred percent honest in all situations with ourselves, with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers, it's easier said than done actually, to live with 100% transparent honesty. And yet, uh, the more honest we can be with others and with ourselves, I think the more joy we find out of life and the more we can be trusted as a teammate or as a family member or as a friend. Integrity is is actually a little bit different from honesty. It's, it's about saying not just that you tell the truth, but that you have a strong moral code and that you stick to it no matter what, no matter how the environment changes, no matter what situation you might be in or who you might be talking to with a different point of view, you stay true to those core principles. And, and even when they're challenged or even when it's not easy or convenient or beneficial to do so, you, you stick to those values because you believe deep in your heart and your soul and your bones that it's right and that it's true. And that's even harder, I think, than, than, than just telling the truth and being honest. Having absolute integrity in all situations is um, it's easier said than done. And it's worth reflecting. Do we live with integrity? Uh, are we honest? Yes. But do we live our lives? Do our actions reflect our values? Does how we treat one another reflect our values? Does how uh, we behave at home with our family and in our social interactions with our friends, are we living out our values or are we faking it? Our West Virginian for the theme of integrity is um, Ken Heckler. This is one of my absolute favorites. Ken Heckler, his life reminds me of the movie Forrest Gump. He just shows up in these very historically significant events over and over and over again. He served in uh, with distinction 
in World War II. He was a journalist in World War II. He, he, a historian. He was tasked with documenting the history of his unit. Wrote a book, The Bridge at Remagen, which is a fantastic book and actually became a Hollywood hit later on in his life. So he's a, an author and also a screenwriter in that regard. He became a speechwriter for President Harry Truman in the 50s. That's how he found his way to Huntington, West Virginia. He was tasked with traveling ahead of the president to the cities where he would campaign or give a speech. And he was to research the culture and history and and headlines and big issues that were relevant for the given community where the president was supposed to go. And he he did that front work for Huntington, West Virginia, and just fell in love with the town and um, would move to Southern West Virginia and really commit his life. Uh, to the people of Southern West Virginia. He would teach on and off at Marshall for, for decades, and he became a United States congressman. And as a United States congressman, he was, he was the only white congressman to march with Martin Luther King across the bridge at Selma. You can see it. If you find footage or photos of that, you'll see him, Ken Heckler, right up front. Uh, incredible courage. He led the way for the federal black lung program to help miners, coal miners who suffered from horrible disease directly linked to their mining career called Black Lung. Uh, Heckler ensured that there were federal resources to ensure treatment over the entire course of the life of the miner was available through the federal Black Lung program, hugely important here in West Virginia, and was on the front lines of expanding uh, affordable care uh, for people and involved with the Medicaid program and, and an early visionary for, for universal health care. He would go on to become Secretary of State for West Virginia, and and this is actually why he's selected for integrity. I mean, one, he certainly had a, a core commitment to justice for the working people that he never wavered from, uh, but also in his role as Secretary of State, he took on corruption here in West Virginia. Uh, we, we had a lot of it. We still have plenty of it, probably, but in his day, West Virginia and Chicago were really the two most infamous areas in the country for political corruption, for vote buying, for election scams and election fraud. It was a deeply seated problem. It was a a political problem, but it was also, it was a cultural problem. Corruption had become just a part of the cultural norms of, of many communities throughout the state. And Heckler took that head on because he knew it was what was needed. He wanted our elections to have integrity and he wanted our elections to be able to be trusted that they were free and they, they were truly fair. And he, he put his life on the line uh, to do that. And he took on very powerful individuals in order to get it done, but he did it. And some had to go to jail and some had to lose their jobs and some had to pay huge fines. But he really, more than any other person in West Virginia history, helped clean up our elections to make them more trustworthy and to make sure that, that the elections had integrity. I've always admired that about him. I actually got to meet Ken Heckler when I was in high school. I got to interview him for a project and, and it was, it was a, it was one of the best hours of my life because he just has so many stories to tell. And he was also just, he's so encouraging. Uh, he was so encouraging to, to young leaders. Even then, he was in his 80s and he was still active in social justice. He was pushing for affordable care with a, a, a woman named Granny D who hiked across the country. He's, he walked hundreds of miles with her to stand up for, for the right to affordable care for low-income Americans. And he was also felt very strongly about mountaintop removal. And he lived to be, I believe, 100 or almost 100. Throughout his entire life, he never stopped fighting for what he thought was right. He never wavered from that core commitment in his heart and soul and bones that he had to social justice and to standing up for what was right. You could always count on him to do exactly what he thought was the right thing. So I think teamwork and integrity actually tie together 
quite nicely. And and remember back to what I'm saying on, with teammates, the way they build trust is, is you can depend that someone will be where they said they would be. In a deeper sense, that's what integrity is. It's it's that others can trust that you'll do what you say you'll do and that others can know that that you'll be true to your core principles and that your yes is your yes and your no is your no. Cam Henderson, amazing innovator, amazing coach. Ken Heckler, unbelievable historic public servant. Both made West Virginia a better place and both still have a lot to teach us today. Grit and Grace is a podcast by Coalfield Development, produced at the West Edge Factory in Huntington, West Virginia. This episode was hosted by myself, Brandon Dennison, and was produced and edited by JJN Multimedia. Become a part of our mission to rebuild the Appalachian economy from the ground up by going to our website, coalfield-development.org. Please consider making a donation to advance our mission. You can email us anytime at info at coalfield-development.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn as well. Check back every two weeks for new episodes and learn how we're rebuilding the Appalachian economy from the ground up.